good to go. We are good to go. Good afternoon, doctor. How are you doing? Tickety boo. Tickety boo. And how about you? Uh, awesome. Really, really nice to meet you. Do you mind if I call you Roger? If you call me Dr. Hodkinson, I'll be insulted. Yeah. So, Roger, it is. Yeah. That's look, fine. Great. So, look, usually I meet my guests on the show or I know them ahead of time, but I got to see you yesterday. I didn't get a chance to come over and say hi. It was pretty busy, a lot of things going on. But, uh, yeah, you were there at the uh, Arthur Pulaski sentencing. Um, you were outside. I believe you were outside. And then at one point, uh, Arthur had you come over and say hi to the crowd. And I'm like, ah, oh, I'll be talking to him in about 12 hours or 24 hours. There he is right there. Um, but it was a good time. Why don't you uh, let people know why you went down there and, and, and what you saw when you were there yesterday? Oh, a number of reasons. But um, the biggest reason was this is a moment in Canadian history. It's as big as the trucker's convoy and being on the deck in, uh, in Ottawa, mm -hmm. which, which I was, of course. Um, I've known Arthur for quite some time. Um, I admire him. We don't see eye to eye on everything, but you don't have to. You never do in politics. Uh, my rule of thumb is you you hold the evidence at arm's length. You half close your eyes and you decide, is there enough? Well, the, there's more than enough with with Artur. And um, I actually went door knocking with him and Nathaniel um, when he was uh, in the last election. Uh, so I'm I'm all in for Artur. Um, I love his spunk, um, the fact that he never backed down, he couldn't be bought, and he's going to be a power to be reckoned with yes. uh, in, in Canadian politics. Absolutely. I'm an independent candidate for the federal uh, riding of Yellowhead, so I'm absolutely all in, all board on uh, finding a way to have independents get in there, uh, change the system, non-party politics. So when he speaks about as a solidarity movement, I listen carefully because I don't think he's wrong. I think he's right. Um, but we need to get that message to a lot more people in order to get that support. But I think he's on to something for sure. So you went door knocking for him when he was in the Independence Party? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I've never been door knocking before. So you can see I'm pretty choosy as to who I want to associate with. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And a couple of people opened the door and they thought, oh, well, AHS does house calls now. How cool is that? Uh, there's yeah. a doctor at my door. Uh, did people recognize you and, and know who you were when you were knocking on some of those doors? No, no. Um, that was a bit disappointing. Uh, not, that they <laughs> didn't, not that they didn't recognize me, but um, uh, sadly, it's, it's, a, it's just a commentary on the the difficulty of penetrating, you know, the, the information uh, access of ordinary people. Um, mm -hmm. No one actually, it wasn't like the, the Mr. Pillow, um, you know, ad on Fox News where... Oh yeah, the Mike L Lindell or something? Mike Lindell, where, where, where the, they say through the mirror, it's that Mr. Pillow man again! You know? Yeah. Um, no, sadly, that didn't happen, and that shows you that there's a, a lot of um, slogging to yes. get the public profile up. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, because if people are paying attention, they know who you are. If people are looking for truth, they'll come across yeah. you pretty quickly. Um, and if you're connecting to uh, all, all the information that's really getting 
um, uh, suppressed, if you're looking into the stuff that the media doesn't want you to see, you come up pretty quickly. You and Macus in Alberta, you come up a lot. Um, if, if, you, if you know who to look for, because the vast majority of the population um, have been firehosed um, 24-7 for four years. Mm -hmm. And they have lives to live. They've got money to earn. They've got kids to take around. They've got food to prepare, whatever, whatever, whatever. And, you know, it, it's become a bit of a grind over four years. And they'd rather, I think many people would just rather move on, forget about it. And uh, that's the challenge is to connect with those people yeah. who are um, good citizens. Um, they've not been ignoring us. They just never heard of us. Yeah. So were you able to connect with some people after you got to talk to them or, or did you see a lot of closing doors and they weren't interested? Um, only a couple of really good conversations. Um, that was more about cars than anything, but anyway. But cars? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was, um, you know, not many people were, were home. Uh, no one, no one was offended, um, by yeah. the, 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 the brief presentation that, um, Artur made and sometimes Nathaniel, um, also had a go at pitching. Um, I was just tagging along for, you know, the occasional comment with respect to COVID, but there's, right. an, there's an awful lot more going on than, than COVID, obviously. No, I can imagine Nathaniel saying, hey, we're here for the solidarity movement. Do you have any questions? Yeah, is COVID real? Well, let me just introduce you to Dr. Roger Hodkinson. Yeah. Here you go. That would be pretty amazing to have at a doorstep. No, it was, it was great. I, I look forward to more of it. Um, I, I understand from Bob Leone and, and Artur that there are some big things planned. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I was invited to participate in the, in the rallies that um, they're talking about. Uh, I did an awful lot of those with the APP before I left in utter disgust. Um, oh, wow. And we could talk about that. So getting back rurally, uh, speaking to the farmers, having meeting real people in small town Alberta. Um, that was, uh, that was a, a wonderful life for uh, a number of, for a couple of years with the, with the APP. But, um, uh, I, I will not associate with an organiz organization that doesn't want it. That does Sorry, my phone was just going here. That does a 180 on its objective, which is to clearly separate from Canada. Uh, there's an awful lot of mealy mouth stuff going on now. And if I was a, a farmer who dug deep to support the APP, I would be pissed. Yeah, I got to get into the details with you because um, Chris I, and I Kelly told, are part of that. I was told by Modry to shut up. You were told to Sorry, shut up? Sorry, on the wrong guy. You know, politically sensitive stuff, not um, demonizing Danielle Smith. That was before she, uh, before the election. Um, I was hoping for a lot more than we've seen so far. But, I, you know, they didn't like the um, invective that I was using and um, the criticism of the system. Um, it was too much. 
And my general position on that is uh, I'm done with Canada. Okay. Canada You're done with Canada as a, as a united country here? Canada is dead. Oh, wow. When I was in Ottawa, I was a flag-waving patriot. When I was in Victoria with Brian Peckford, a good friend of mine, at the celebration of the anniversary of rights and freedoms, I was a flag-waving patriot. But no more. No more. Right. If there's one thing that came out of the APP under Dennis Modray before he changed his spots, it was his articulation of the futility, the utter futility of dreaming that any improvement in Alberta's situation can happen by negotiation. It will not happen. All right, you seem firm on that. You've given a few crumbs off the table and told like a little boy to go home and play with yourself. It won't happen. It's been tried, it's failed. That's the definition of stupidity, to repeat it over and over again. So what's needed here is a vibrant independence movement led by Artur and Bob Leon in order to communicate with people not just the injustice of what's going on, but to paint the much more important picture of what an incredible future we could have here in Alberta if we're independent of the shackles put on by the child emperor, fancy socks, you know who I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the grand supreme Cuban-born. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's right. Even if Polyvia gets in, it's going to be the same story. Um, it would be different. just with glasses this time. That's all. Yeah, new glasses. It would be different if Max Bernier got in, but he's a good friend of mine. He's Canada's Trump in many respects. Um, I admire the man, but there's not a snowball in hell's chance that within my my lifetime he's going to be prime minister. So let's not dream in Technicolor. Let's understand that the divorce is over. Alberta is not proposing to leave Canada. Canada left Alberta a long time ago. Oh, good way to look at it. Get your mind around that. The divorce is over. And what you do in a divorce, you divide the assets. Let's get on with it. Okay, so I like where you're headed with this, and you're quite firm about this. So when do you think Unshake it happens? Unshakable. Yeah, so you're flagging or a patriot waving a flag waving patriot in Ottawa, hanging out with Peckford in BC. What changed? Dennis, and you didn't like the APP. Yeah, Dennis Modre's articulation in the APP as to the underlying futility of attempting to negotiate um, that finally sunk in. And I, I bought the arguments completely until, you know, I was advocating them uh, constantly until I was told to shut up. Um, but the, the, movement, the movement goes on. Um, approximately, I believe in the last poll that was performed, um, it was 20 or 25% of the Alberta population that was polled randomly. Is, is, was in favor of separation. Now, that is an enormous start, given the fact that there is no leadership, political leadership, on separation. With, with time and appropriate penetration, with rallies and 
the leadership from Artur and Bob Leon, uh, I'm sure that uh, those numbers will grow significantly. And um, obviously, it's impossible to predict timing, but it should be very doable. But the, the, the real advantage, Jason, for that process is not to separate and be independent and proud and free and all the rest of it. It's much more than that. Because what started on the tarmac at Atchison, when those truckers set off a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. I was there. That's hallowed ground, in my opinion, because that was the start of the independence, of the, the demand of freedom that we're seeing articulated all over the place now, the demand, yes. for, the demand for freedom. And so that the creation of a Republic of Alberta, burning all the institutions down to the studs, as Paul Alexander says, that will create a new old version of democracy along traditional lines that will be a beacon to the rest of the world that's desperately looking for those kinds of solutions. So what started on the tarmac at Atchison, if we can become independent, glorious, glorious time for democracy, because we will be copied by the people taking back control of their own future and their children's future. To me, that's the intoxicating part of an independent republic of Alberta. Hey, um, I'm getting excited here. I'm getting quite excited because when Quebec even started hinting and started working in this direction, they ended up getting what they wanted for the most part. Now, do you think that would be a step? Do you think there'd be some concessions or do you think straight up the divorce has been finalized for quite some time? We just still live under the same roof. Oh, yeah. Let, let's not mess around with political blackmail, which Quebec has perfected over the years. No, no, we're not going to go the, the blackmail route. We're going to get a referendum going with the required number of people. And that will be presented uh, to the premier as a non-negotiable. You will negotiate with Ottawa. And the expect, full expectation is that it will fail according to the the expectation of the referendum, which would be defined. And in the, in the, when failure happens, which is absolutely predictable, um, we would then declare independence unilaterally, for which there's ample evidence historically from other countries in, for example, in the dissolution of Yugoslavia and Croatia, um, a demand of the population to, to separate from whatever uh, parent body there was. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and remember, too, that it cuts both ways, uh, fancy socks. 51% was enough to say to Quebec, no. Right? Yeah. Well, 51% should be enough to say yes. We got you. We're coming for you, and we're going to succeed. 
Okay, exciting. Do you have an anticipated timeline? Are we talking about next couple of years? Are we talking about we need to build this up for a little bit, or this could be even sooner? I, I doubt it. There, there has to be a groundswell of not just support, but anger. Anger. Sadly, the majority of the population, this isn't a critical comment, it's just an observation. Mm -hmm. The majority of the population is not terribly interested in freedom and all the indignities that go by the by when you're exploited with the, the jackboots and the Clydesdales and the, the, the muscle, the muscle, the thuggery that, that was going on in Ottawa. Most people are distant from that. They've lived through four years of hell. They mm -hmm. want to get their lives back. Don't bother me with all these, you know, these abstract issues of, you know, digital currency and agenda dysphoria and all that. I, I've got a job to do, kids to take to school, you know, uh, we're kind of fed up with all of this. Like, oh, I just want my life back. Who can blame them? They're not yeah. stupid. They're not stupid at all. They're just being, they're just being fire hosed. So it is, it is going to take much more than just argument and evidence. It's going to need raw, naked anger. I'm not advocating anything violent here. No, no, no. No, no you're emotion. Just because people are listening to this <laughs> and loving to uh, nail me with advocating, you know, insurrection. No such thing. No, no. I, I believe in the, still believe somewhat pathetically in the power of the ballot box and referenda. But we need anger. And the only way that we're going to drive anger, in my opinion, is through the pocketbook. It's the money that's going to make the difference. So I would say to Fancy Socks, on bended knee, please make it worse. Make it a lot worse. I want to see mortgage defaults. I want to see bread lines. I want to see soup kitchens. I want to see the general population so pissed off with how they are being manipulated and taken for granted that they willingly join a movement towards independence because of the abuse that's been going on for them personally, as well as all the institutions that are currently running the show in this once fine province. And I'm talking about the courts, I'm talking about medicine, I'm talking about the media, I'm talking about every institution that's been governing their lives is corrupt to the core. And you don't improve that by tinkering. We need to assume a more American solution of revolution, not evolution. I've, I've said a few times to people, <clears throat> the actual solution to Canada is the Republican Party of Canada, but we need a republic for that. So are we in 1775? I, I, I don't think people really give a damn about the Commonwealth and the, the royalty and, and the history and all that. Um, the king doesn't care for his own son, so why should we care for him? Yeah. 
No, I, I mean, I left Britain because I, because I, the, the whole concept of monarchy disgusts me. Um, when I came in 1970, this was this at that time, it was a fine country. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing perfect, but I was a, very honored to be here and be welcomed and accepted. And I worked hard. I, I kept my nose clean. I have been your quintessential, traditional, hardworking, very well-educated doc. And that's how I, that's how my career progressed. Um, but recent events have so sensitized me to the injustices that are going on and the, the legion. And it, it's, it, it's so saddening to watch a, a terminal decay of society, the, the debauchery, the, the gender dysphoria, the debauchery in public. It's like the final days of Rome and Berlin pre-war, where the hedonistic public display yeah. is, has no limits, no limits. And the, the minorities are tolerated because they're, they're in this hedonistic swirl down the drain. And look, I, I'm, not, I'm not some self-righteous prick, right? I mean, I, I, I'm, I, just want, I just want democratic ideals to return. Good basic, I, the, the stuff you were taught in Sunday school, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm looking for. Wow, I got to be honest with you, it's a bit of a splash of cold water in the face, and I'm liking it for some reason. I'm feeling a little bit cleansed here. Um, so you're talking about pocketbook. I agree with you. As long as the pain gets hard enough down to the pocketbook, even the cities will get upset. Um, barring that, maybe that takes a while. Is there other things like maybe injustice being exposed? We've had to Arthur stuff. He never should have been charged, let alone convicted. Uh, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, we have four men in uh, remand right now, two in Lethbridge, one in Calgary, one in Medicine Hat, uh, Chris Chris, Jerry uh, Tony, mm-hmm. um, and injustice there. I've been researching that one for a while. I, I speak to a couple of the men, their families. There's nothing but injustice there. I haven't found anything that justifies anything that's been said about them at all. And believe me, I'm looking because I want to be impartial and, and find truth. Um, I'm not finding any uh, reason for them to be there, yet they're still there. Uh you don't think injustice is enough like when people find out that they were innocent. You don't think that would be enough. It has to be more economical, like the economics of it. I think that ultimately that's what always sways the day. True. Historically, it's always it's, the breadline. It's the money in your pocket. How much you're being taxed. How many, pe- how many people listening are aware that if you add all the taxes up that you pay, not just income tax, but this and that and, Sales, estate, all that stuff. It gets you every which way, right? The Fraser Institute has done the the studies on that. And basically, you're working for government 45% of your life. You're giving government almost half of the income that you've earned for them to squander, piss away in whatever pet project that they've got without any controls on it. That's not right. We're all aware of the massive waste of money that, that is evident everywhere. That, that's, that's not right. The, the, there needs to be much more control on how public money is spent. 
the, the the number one the reason in my opinion the number one reason we're essentially bankrupt every western country is bankrupt we're, we're just printing money to stay alive right right the principal reason we're bankrupt is that every idiocrat as i call them and every politician there's basically a first line in their job description and it's written in onion ink so it can only be seen <laughs> confidentially and it reads very simply there shall be no headlines period you've got all the money from the taxpayers why don't you just dish it out but there shall be no headlines have i got your attention yet mm -hmm. and the cash flows continuous um unfettered they just ask for more when they're running out they they want political peace they'll do anything using other people's money to buy political peace no general strikes no mass demonstrations political peace and it's worked it's kept the unions happy the ata the ana QP. They're all happier than hell. Right. It's worked. Just pour some more money down their throats and there'll be peace on the streets. Well, that's got to change. That's got to change. If if you were to rewrite the new blueprint, let's just say you set down a new piece of paper and you're going to come up with the new way to do things. Do unions exist in your new plan? Not at all. Great. Where did the lot Great. of them? Every single goddamn one of them. They're just pigs at the trough. And they okay. use their, they use their union dues not for the benefit of their members, but for political influence. Major funder of the NDP. That's where the money comes from. Direct line from the unions because of the sequestering of union Jews to be used by their, their, um, their leaders, so-called, uh, any way they wish, which is to support a socialist vision of how democracy should operate. Socialism has failed everywhere it's been tried. Eventually, as um, you know, Maggie Thatcher once said, eventually you run out of other people's money. Right. Uh, every time yeah we got to get back to good old-fashioned ideals hard work risk-taking don't rely on the nanny state and state unless you're absolutely desperate that's where we got to go entrepreneurship risk-taking mm -hmm. as soon as you start relying upon the nanny state for everything we're all going down the drain together correct because you need nannies for nannies. Like, who's going to eventually, like eventually, we need adults. When they're all gone, what are you going to do? Who's going to pay for what? Right. They don't, they don't understand that it doesn't scale. Socialism doesn't scale at all. It, it, there's a tipping point. There's a breaking point every well, time. It's a wonderful ideal to own nothing and be happy. <laughs> but it's obviously not workable. Um, you throw enough money at people to be lazy and they'll just gobble it up and ask for more. Well, you need at least one worker for like every two or three 
lazies just to make it balanced and one hard worker by the way so what happens when that those guys are gone too there's nobody left to work let's just use one little example this is a population in alberta of four million plus or minus mm -hmm. ahs providing what i prefer to call death services ahs is the largest employer in Canada. In Canada, even bigger than the federal government. 100,000 plus people work for Alberta Health Services for a 4 million population. That is absurd. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. So how did that get out of whack? The bureaucracy, sure. Lawyers, sure. And how long did that take? Like, how did that get out of whack? Well, because because they've it's the it's the it's the nurses that are the principal use of funds for AHS. Remember, AHS. You've heard Dr. Mackis talk about this in much more detail than me. AHS consumes fifty percent of the provincial budget. Right. They are a law unto themselves they determine how they will spend that money. Just give us the money and shut up, Ministry of Health, politicians. Give us the money and shut up. We're managing it. Get out. Mm -hmm. Unaccountable. And they they make all kinds of ridiculous decisions, not the least of which, of course, was Hinshaw's, you know, <laughs> so-called so recommendations to, to Cabinet. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's got to stop. Um, AHS is um, brutalizing the population, wasting resources, um, and that needs to, again, be one of the many institutions that needs to be radically changed, if not reinvented. It, it, my, my solution to running Alberta's, Alberta's healthcare is very simple. You get rid of AHS. And you hire a VP of an American healthcare company, and you bring him in on a dollar dollar a year, like Lee Iacocca, and you say, make it so. You got three years, then you can get out because there'll be an X on your back, and uh, there'll be a few million in a an account of your choosing. Look, if people don't believe you on this one, that uh, unions are political and they're getting involved, or they don't belong and they didn't see that qp video with antifa talking about the million person march are you aware of that video sorry say that again i'm sorry i missed the point no problem are you aware of the qp video that just came out a few days ago somebody leaked it where they were having a zoom conversation with antifa people no. him hers all this stuff all over the place no. talking about causing problems at the million person march that would, wouldn't surprise me a bit the unions are political Parties in waiting, aren't they? <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me one bit. The leadership of those organizations—they're all cosmic communists. Well, I would absolutely encourage people to go take a look at that video. QP Antifa Million Person March. You'll find it. Uh, cool. There was a Zoom conversation. It's an hour and eleven minutes long, where the union is encouraging their members to go to all the cities and cause a lot of havoc for the uh, the protesters for the Save the Children. Mm -hmm. um, clearly, there's a higher agenda that's bringing unions together. 
do you believe in that? Something bigger than the unions that are controlling the unions? Um, I, I don't know chapter and verse on if the unions are being controlled or not. I know there's a lot of communication with the with the the federal NDP, and they may oh. well be. They may well. Oh yeah, of course. Um, okay. <laughs> Notley was controlled by the federal policies. Um, you've got to be in sync, haven't you? And but to what in, to what extent you know Soros has infiltrated them? It was a stealth attack that was brilliantly successful on society. To what extent they've infiltrated the unions as well as um, the media and uh, and uh, politics uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if there was some external influence. Because there seems to be coordination. It seems to have similar. Mm -hmm talking points right down to the choice of words so mm -hmm. there seems to be some sort of coordination and we saw this around even the covid uh, narrative coordinated globally uh, yep. safe and effective etc yeah. uh, and you might be like me when you start seeing patterns and repeated things <laughs> you you start understanding that it maybe has a single source or a similar source word um, word for word on the mainstream media I mean, because they don't do their own journalism. They get feeds from Reuters and, and Associated Press and, and the, the French um, equivalent. Um, those, those three sources feed the news to the organizations that are there just to run advertisements. Um, and not so, yeah, it's, it's word for word. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not even smart enough to just do a bit of wordsmithing on it, it, it because it's um, it's it's easy, it's quick, it's cheap. You just you just print it off and have the talking heads uh, mouth it. Hundred percent. It's like one email went out to everybody. Now, yeah. are you familiar with the uh, Trusted News News Initiative out of the UK? I've heard of it. I've not followed it. I'm sorry. No problem. It's a new organization that was created ju just around the beginning of COVID. It brings in AP, Reuters, and all the others under one umbrella. Mm -hmm. And they're not even hiding it. BBC, CBC, CNN, all of them, yeah. all the bad ones are definitely yeah. under that umbrella. Yeah. And ever since then, we were able to make montages on YouTube where multiple news channels are all saying the exact same thing. Uh, parroting the narrative safe well, and effective was one of them you know i mean canada is the hind tit i mean what really matters is what's going on in the states right and uh the, the mainstream media of course is bought and paid for um largely by big pharma uh, mm. to which which has its own political aspirations but the um when 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 you look at fox for example um, you see all these pharmaceutical advertisements in pretending to be informative, right? And tagged on to every single ad is a long list of medical terminology of things that could happen to you, um, which, which you know, they're obligated to do, to do by virtue of the American uh, Congress and the regulations pertaining to uh, pharmaceutical advertising. Now, you you would like to think that that's a huge waste of money for big pharma, 
because that's the doctor's job to tell them the complications. But here are politicians telling Big Pharma, you will run that long list, which takes time. Translation, Big Pharma's not upset at all about having to pay money for ridiculous content on their advertisements. They're flapping their flippers because by virtue of the amount of money that they're spending, which that amplifies because of the unnecessary nature of it, the strict amount of money that Big Pharma is paying mainstream media in the States, the biggest source of advertising revenue, they control the media. They control what goes on, what the editorial content is. They control it because the media only exists to sell advertising and they're the biggest advertisers and they've got your attention. So the mainstream media is bought and paid 100%. for. 100%. And Canada, everything's brought course, to you by... In Canada, of course, it was more direct. It was an outright bribe. The child emperor was stuffing money down their throats. A failing industry, desperate for money, and the bribe worked. Shut up or I'll cut it off was the unspoken message. Right. Well, give me one quick moment here. I'm going to remind people what I'm talking about when I say that video where it's all in sync. It's a, just one minute, but this, if you haven't seen this, this should wake you up. Doctor is not wrong here. Check this out, folks. San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to serve, serve our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality for Dallas journalism. But we are concerned about someone trying to be responsible one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 So that's programming. That's programming. And there's another one for safe and effective as well. There's another one just like that, where it's nothing but the identical words, not even, like you said, wordsmithing, not even an attempt to. The only thing different was their location. So there's probably a line that says lo insert location, but the rest is the same. That, that's why what you're doing and other podcasters are doing is so vital right now to try and get the alternative um, 
take on things out there. Um, well articulated, late language. I'm not sure if you if you saw Peter McCullough's presentation to the EU a few days ago. Oh, I have not seen it yet. Apologies, but I'll certainly check it out. It. I'm a, I'm a, a critic um, of presentation style and content. Peter McCullough's presentation to the EU was the most brilliant presentation in the last four years, beyond any question. He nailed it. And I would strongly encourage everyone listening to listen to Peter, a good friend of mine. Um, we're on the board of the wellness company in, in the States. Um, we've got to know each other quite well. But incredibly engineered appearance, fantastically presented, uh, in which he talks about, uh, it's obvious in retrospect, but he, he kind of condensed it down, talking about the two waves, the two waves that we've lived through. The first wave was COVID, which was essentially nothing worse than a bad seasonal flu, uh, mm -hmm. didn't, kill, didn't kill very many people at all. The, the ones that were dying, sadly, uh, it's not a callous statement. This, the ones that were dying were dying of unrelated conditions, such right. as cancer and heart disease, et cetera. And speaking as a pathologist now. Um, but it was followed by a much bigger wave, the wave of death caused by the idiocrats running the asylum, the mandates, but in particular, the clot shot yeah. that is now killing in gigantic numbers, gigantic numbers. You know, normally we, we pull a, a, a vaccine of the old traditional vaccines. We pull a vaccine off the market with 50 deaths, five zero deaths. Right. According to a number of independent sources now, but started by Peter Halligan, using the under-reporting factor that Jessica Rose first went public with of 40 thereabouts. It's um, amazing. The calculation by by Peter Halligan and then subsequently by um, uh, the Canadian in, in Ottawa who presented to the NCI, it, um, it'll come to me in a minute. Um, we're, we're talking here about probably at least 20 million M, 20 million deaths globally due to this clot shot. 20 million. And it's that's probably a low ball because the underreporting factor is now being revised by a number of statisticians as probably more like 100. Mm. These are gigantic numbers. And we're talking about deaths directly due to. Um, uh, I was one of the authors of the the first uh, assessment of cause of death shortly following uh, the clot shot, along with Peter McCullough and Harvey Reich and um, and uh, uh, Macis, and and we we were able to show that about seventy four percent of deaths shortly following the clot shot were due to the clot shot. You know, when I was speaking at rallies a couple of years ago, I asked, because there, were, there was very little, very little information to go on, 
other than anecdote and personal experiences. So when I was speaking to you know, a few hundred people at a time, 300, 400 people at a time, I asked this question innocently, totally unprepared for the answer that I got. And I said, look, would everyone here please put up their hand if you know someone who shortly after receiving that injection in their arm had either a heart attack, a stroke, or a pulmonary embolus, not just a sore arm and a headache, mm -hmm. a serious life-threatening event, would you please put up your hand? I was gobsmacked when a third of the people there put up their hands. Wow. So I thought, this is an aberration. This can't be. So I repeated the question at subsequent rallies, and I got approximately the same result. Now, that's a straw poll. But isn't it absolutely despicable that carnage on such a scale is known to be going on by the idiocrats who are so scared of the consequences of quantifying it that they refuse to do so. The carnage that's going on is unprecedented in medical history. It's off the charts. And nothing is being done to stop it or to measure it. In fact, there's stuff being done to enhance it and support it. Um, so I'm going to quickly bring up the video that you're talking about with Peter McCullough at the European Union. We're not going to play it all. It's 17 minutes. I just want to show some something to somebody, everybody here. Take a look at that little blue box below this video. It's one of those find the real information boxes. So even though Dr. Hodgkinson says this is a brilliant, genius, well put together presentation, big tech, government, media is saying don't believe it. I think there's part of the problem right there. Like even on this video right now, there's a blue box that's trying to give you different information right in front of you. Now we can't put little blue boxes on the other videos that are giving the wrong information, the true wrong information, because we don't have that access. But these big tech and government connected uh, organizations certainly are controlling that information, are they not? Well, you know, in, in medicine, those of us who are being attacked by our colleges um, I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. We're being accused of spreading, quote, misinformation, close quotes. The only problem with that accusation is they won't tell you the information we're missing. Right. <laughs> it, they refuse to document the reason for the accusation for the very simple reason. They know it can be countered very effectively and they don't wish to blow their thunder what they try to do is intimidate by the threat of consequences, knowing that if they pushed to the wall, they would lose. But most physicians being rather timid and concerned about their income rather than their patient's welfare, mm -hmm. most physicians just go silently into the night. And, and that's because they're worried about their paycheck and, and their reputation. Totally. Totally. You know, <sighs> you know I, I'm old enough to remember a time when we went into medicine to serve humanity. Mm -hmm. 
you happen to get a nice title and respect and you earned a reasonable amount of money. But that wasn't the reason we went into medicine. We went into medicine because we wanted to help people. But my God, how that's changed. Now it's a money racket. And that's going to have start in school. That's going to start even before medical school, getting indoctrinated into the system, trying to follow the rules with the consequences. Because I can tell you in law school, we were taught, and sorry to sidestep on this a little bit, but you've spoken to Peckford, so you probably fully understand what I'm talking about here. Um, when I was ch ch chatting with him and we were doing an episode on the abuse charter, uh, it came very clear that uh, the Oak Test and the Living Tree Doctrine were two additions to the charter that were never supposed to be there. And these were the ways for the court via the Oak Test and the scholars or professors or whatever you want to call them via the Living Tree Doctrine to manipulate the charter to say and do whatever they wanted to do. So we identified that very early as a problem. What I'm getting at is when I went to law school, that's the only way they taught us the charter. They did not teach us the charter in the original intent as Peckford and others made it. They taught us how malleable it is because of the living tree doctrine and the importance of the Oak test. So students 40 years ago in the eighties, when they just brought the charter out, they started to do this education on them. And those are our judges today. So Quite. They are the ones that started that education in the 80s. So this is why, uh, Dr. Hodgkinson, uh, we had Peckford in court being told that he is not an expert on the charter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boom. Like, how does that happen? He's not only an expert. He was there during the debate of the original intent of it. You can't get a better expert than that, in my opinion. But yet, in Alberta, of all places, he got dismissed as a potential expert witness. How am I correct? It was all the way down to law school indoctrination happening right at the beginning. Well, um, the current um, infestation with wokeism, in my in my opinion, if I had to put if I had to put my finger on one thing that has is responsible for the destruction of society, I would put it squarely on the humanity faculties in universities for this for this reason surveys have been done in north america canada and the states showing that 90 percent of junior faculty in universities are rampant socialists or closet communists they're a self-perpetuating self-electing elite Mm. that only, only appoints their own type. So what happens is um, a student goes to university and rapidly understands that you don't stand up in class and contradict the, the, the professor. Your, your marks may suffer. My wife can speak to that. She was a, went to university late in life. It was obvious obvious you don't piss off the prof there's a culture in those institutions that kicks out people who've been indoctrinated in wokeism now some of those people that get kicked out of course become lawyers and doctors but most importantly they become teachers mm -hmm. 
So the teachers then go to the schools and teach the same crap to the students who then leave the school and go to university themselves to get a double dose. Oh, well, that seems to be the norm, doesn't it? And you, you, you grind that mill for 20 years. And what you end up with is a destroyed society. Soros's stealth attack has been absolutely brilliantly executed. Yeah. Under the radar. And to me, one of the, the most important things about the Truckers' Rebellion and everything that's followed is that suddenly the enemy is exposed. You can't fight a battle if you don't know who the enemy is. And they were infiltrating us without knowing it. The Trojan mm. War, brilliantly successful strategy. And that's why it's gonna take time to get rid of it and reinvent democratic ideals. And just to let you know, a lot of these people who infiltrated or part of the infiltration, they themselves don't believe it. So I was surprised to learn that one of my good friends, um, wife, and she's a good friend too, got along great, good person, um, person of color, he's not. Um, but she explained to us how she is the diversity, inclusion, equity person at the city of Toronto. She sits with the mayor and her job is to help with those programs right. the only reason she's there is she's got eight years into the education of it and it pays well she right. doesn't believe in what she's teaching she simply doesn't believe it she's married to a white male she doesn't believe in what she's teaching but it's a good paycheck for her and she's good at it so even some of the people in there don't believe it but it's a job multiculturalism has failed merkel herself said so but it's too late. They're here. They breed. Mm. They out, will outnumber us. Gaddafi's famous statement, we don't have to invade Europe, we'll outbreed them. That's not, you know, you know yeah. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a racist. My business partner is Sri Lankan. I've had a Jamaican secretary. I've had a homosexual transcriptionist, whatever, whatever. Sure. I, I'm, 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 no, I'm no racist. But a country has a culture, has a culture. We're not a postmodern state in Fancy Socks' dreams. We're, we have a culture here. And like it or not, it was white Anglo-Saxon. Now, that's not racist. That's something to be proud of. We, we can be welcoming to minorities, but stop the tail wagging the dog. I'm tired of the tyranny of the minority. If you want to come here as a minority, fit in. If not, fuck off. That should be on our passports. <laughs> right there, right on the cover. And mean it. Yeah. It should it should be part of the, the ceremony of becoming a citizen. You don't just swear on the Bible. You swear your allegiance to the country and its culture it's culture well currently they swear allegiance to the crown yeah well so is that one of the first steps <laughs> piss on that i mean what an incestuous bunch of idiots 
you know, oh, in, in bread. But uh, that's one of the reasons I left Britain, you know. Um, uh, you see, I, 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 I'm a grammar school boy from Manchester. Okay. Um, the way I'm talking now might sound kind of polished. But when I went to Cambridge, I, I spoke Lancashire. I had a Lancashire dialect. And I bust my ass to get in at Cambridge because it was difficult then with all the boys from private schools who spoke very differently from me. And I changed the way I spoke in Cambridge in order to be accepted by the snots from the public schools. I was smarter than a lot of them, private scholarships and so on, got them a place, the dad was there. Um, so I, I tasted the rotten class structure of Britain up close mm -hmm. and personal. And that was one of the one of the reasons that made me leave, because of course the queen or the king now uh, is the cement at the top of the pyramid that everyone's trying to claw up one right. level at a time, you know, to be a little bit closer to being a maid of the bedchamber or whatever those ridiculous titles are. Um, putting a little coronet on their heads or, you know, just traipsing along at ceremonies, whatever. Everyone in Britain is 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 desperately trying to get closer to the queen or the king. And it's a sick society. It's snotty. And I, to this day, I one of my biggest regrets in life is changing the way I spoke in order mm. to in order to be accepted by those fucking snots from public schools that were my intellectual inferior. Yeah, because you would feel like an imposter. You, you don't, that's not who you are. And you're basically masking via your voice who you really are just to fit in. That's right. It, class, class runs just below the surface in British society. You are pigeonholed the second, literally, the second you open your mouth, you are pigeonholed as one of us or one of them. And you're, you're treated accordingly. Yeah, we're, we have something similar here now. If you're a patriot or pro-freedom or anything along those lines, you're pigeonholed right away, right down to work, right down to travel at one point. Yeah. And that, that may even come back. Yeah. So don't, don't try fighting that, everyone. Join the movement. The Solidarity the Independent Movement. Independent Republic of Alberta. Don't, don't piss and moan about what your lot is. Work for change. Spread the message individually. We've got to all work towards that objective. Convince people. Argue with people. Lose your job. Whatever it takes. It's think too important. Our children's future is seriously at risk. There's a train coming down the track that's got their name on it. You may not have to wait too long uh, with inflation, and we're due for another economic uh, adjustment, correction, market correction. We're okay. due for one. So that, that should mean a depression or possibly a recession. Um, so yeah. you might you might be getting that soon. Because so, so sooner or later, you hit a wall. 
it, running a government's no different from running your own bank account. Sooner or later, we're going to hit a wall, and it will happen on a Friday afternoon. They're not going to tell you ahead of time because of the run on the banks. Mm -hmm. But sooner or later, you run out of money because of the flagrant waste that's going on. And, and what we should warn people about is it's not like you can just go empty your bank account and you'll be fine. If there's a collapse, that plastic money is not going to do anything for you. No, no. no. Well, you know, everyone should, you know, make sure they've got enough to live on for a few months and have a food, food supply. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not an Armageddon conspiracy theorist by any means. I, I'm just prudent, you know. Um, you, you take a balanced approach to risk and make your own decisions. And but if, if society does implode and government runs out of cash to pay for things, um, watch out when you, when you stop paying the police and the doctors and the nurses and you have a recipe for total civil disorder marauding bands, robbing people uh, at point-blank range with no... Police don't respond to burglaries now anyway. Um, no. It's open season out there. So it, it's just prudent to look after yourself and, you know, have people of like mind, um, places to go, perhaps. Uh, I've been very impressed in my speeches around the province, um, appreciating, first of all, the size of this province. We, you know, the independent republic of Alberta has a landmass bigger than California. Does everyone know that? I mean, this is a big place. Yep. Until you've and, driven it, you, you don't realize it. <laughs> and and when, you, when you go to these places that are, you know, in what we used to call the boonies, um, what wonderful, independent, determined people there are out there. When, when you've only lived in Edmonton and Calgary, you know, you've no idea about the real pulse out there in the real world of Alberta, the small towns, the farms. Uh, I, I'm so impressed by the, the caliber of people I met up in Cache Creek, for example. Cache Creek. Oh, cool really tight, tight community. The RCMP didn't lift a finger up there because they knew they didn't. Um, mm. They are totally self-reliant, could be quite independent with all the food and energy that they could possibly want up there. Um, yeah, places to go like that. Or if, if, if all else fails, um, you know, maybe Nicaragua, Costa Rica, um, somewhere that um, gets you away from the despots currently running the show. You know, it's interesting. Do you know Chris Schaefer, the mask guy? No, I don't know that name. Oh, you really should interview him. Professional mask fitter. He speaks a lot okay. about speaks a are lot. You, about, are you speaks a lot about? Are masks. you connected to him? Oh, very much. Yeah, I know Chris personally. Yeah, one wonderful guy. Anyway, go he, ahead and forward my name on. We'll go ahead and do that. He, uh, 
he's a real fan of Nicaragua. He says it gets a real bum rap. It's, it's the safest place you could think of. They're totally self-sufficient down there. They've got a gold mine that pays for just about everything. A uh, lot of a lot of real social services, um, very safe place, quite a different um, place than the reputation Nicaragua has. That's a place to consider. He could tell you all about it. <laughs> well, we got to keep that secret, though, because we don't want everybody to go there. <laughs> and then it won't be that way anymore. Um, oh, right? let, Open let, borders is a good way to destroy a country. <laughs> let's just explore that for a minute. When people start realizing that they, they can live off government and stay home, get welfare, disability checks, whatever, what happens is the death of the high street, because the, 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 the largest number of people and the, and the biggest tax base for provincial and federal governments does not come from the, the Fords and the Apples and the IBMs of the world. It comes from payroll taxes, payroll taxes of small to medium companies. That's where the money to run government comes from. Now, when you start eliminating the high street because of the policies that we've had to endure, watch out because it's not just more people on the dole. It's the, and it's not just the, the death of the vibrancy of small town high streets. If you travel around the province, you see all kinds of villages with boards on the windows because the businesses just couldn't make it. But it's much more serious than that because it, it, it's, a, it's a significant reduction in the tax base of government. Payroll taxes mm. are what pays for everything. Payroll taxes. That's a very dangerous situation where suddenly you've got more people unemployed and you've got a reduced tax base to pay for it. We're already technically bankrupt and that could accelerate that. That, that could be a, a, an additional reason for the, 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 the swirl down the drain. Um, when you when you're swirling down the drain, you don't realize you're swirling. You're just being swept along. I I, I think it's a very a very worrying future that we're talking about economically. And then the COVID lockdowns directly targeted that group. The big box ones were open, but all the small ones were closed. Yeah. yeah. And there's a few whammies that they did there. Not only did it scare people, make them stay home. They also labeled them non-essential, which I'm sure doesn't feel good. Uh, they also told them no due dates. We don't know. You'll come back when you're ready. And yeah. a lot of people went to the bottle. A lot of people had domestic yeah. issues. Some people ended it. So there's yeah. a lot of damage that happened there. In that particular segment, the small business owners. That's right. Even landlords, even the, the small landlords were targeted because in Ontario, they put a moratorium on evicting people for non-payment of rent. Mm -hmm. So a whole bunch of people stopped paying rent. And when you were a small owner, a couple properties, all your life savings into that, it destroyed yep. them. It yep. destroyed quite a few of them. And, and also the yeah, big... Yeah, so it seems big, like that was targeted. The big, the big uh, commercial uh, space owners, um, commercial real estate, 
um, you know, with with the infatuation now we're working from home and offices downsizing in the core of the of our cities, uh, commercial real estate is in deep, deep trouble right now. You're right. Now, Calgary, I know, is going to hit really hard on that. They're mm -hmm. not coming back. They're they're not oh. coming back. No. Oh. Yeah, and and the employees and workers are the ones causing that problem. They're the ones demanding to maintain this lifestyle. That's For right. example, Twitter. They actually had that policy in place before Elon purchased it, reversed that policy, mm -hmm. and then he was painted as some sort of demon for doing that. Yeah. When that's how you run a business, um, but the culture is changing. The culture is getting so dependent. One thing you mentioned earlier, I just want to kind of circle back to. Um, you said, imagine what would happen if we saw paying for the police and the nurses and the mm -hmm. other civil services. Mm -hmm. That's dangerous. And that's bad. But imagine what happens. Well, excuse when the me. Excuse me. Getting paid. Uncivil services. The police. Behave, <laughs> Thanks for the correction. The police behave like thugs. They, you can yeah. smell them a while a mile away because they're pigs. They're following gotcha. the orders of their gotcha. provincial masters. I despise them. Yeah. Yeah, provincial and federal, like RCMP here in Alberta, they take orders sure. from Ottawa as well. Sure. Um, but sure. my point on this one was that that's damaging when you stop paying for the uncivil services as well. But when you stop paying the dependence on the government as well, now you got some desperation going as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, the crime will go crazy. They'll be yeah. assaulting everybody. Yeah. And it won't be long before those 15 minutes are full of just crazy. Um, you know, I see that coming. I see that coming. I'm just going to switch location because I see my battery is running down and I don't want to. Sure. Excuse me a second. If you want to go, no problem. We'll just go ahead and give you a mute and let you do that. Yeah, so folks, this go ahead and put your questions in for Dr. Hodgkinson. Do a triple question mark at the beginning so uh, Padge or Ali can go ahead and find those questions. Uh, but go ahead and put those in so that uh, we can get them for him because this is a really interesting conversation. He's talking about independence. He's talking about uh, the police are the problem. Uh, and I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm having a hard time disagreeing here. I think there's certainly some of these problems here. All right. You good? Yep, I'm good to go. And I also love the plaid. I just want to mention I love the fact that you're wearing plaid today. Oh, um, like you. Um, who, yeah, our show. Who's copying who here? <laughs> you're copying me because you're on my show and we wear plaid because we're the plaid family. Um, so welcome you know, to the show. Um, you know, I, I like to say somewhat in jest. Oh, it's on the table right now. I, I don't have an iPhone. I have a flip phone. Oh, wow. Uh, so I, I like to say I, I don't follow trends, I set them, you know. Fair enough. Maybe we preemptively followed your trend. Maybe I saw a picture and subliminally I said, oh, look, that's the way we got to do this. Um, but yeah, because just to give you a little idea of who I am, uh, I'm on off-grid. We, we do the uh, homeschooling. We do the homesteading. Yep. Um, we do all of that. And that's because we left Ontario when it really got bad at the beginning of COVID. And we recognized that the trend was bad <laughs> really bad um especially when they started giving two thousand dollars out to anybody that asked for it uh, no proof just an assertion uh attestation yep. sorry uh, and i knew that that was going to be big 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 trouble um that was kind of like putting in universal basic income in all of a sudden which is a complete economic killer for sure yep. Yep. Um, yep. so we saw the writing on the wall on that one 
But my challenge, and this is why I'm doing a lot of conversations with people like you, is it's very hard to do home heart surgery. Yeah. So that's one of the things that's a little bit different. I can do a garden, I yeah. can put solar panels up, but I can't yeah. open chests myself. Yeah. Um, right. So one of the things I, I think is really important for people to start getting into good habits of is preventative health care. Make sure you take care of yourself now so yeah. you can extend and not have such big problems. Now, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but the wellness company is kind of along those lines where they're trying to help people do that. Um, why yeah. did you get involved with them? Well, um, life's too short not to get involved in what I call big stuff, big stuff. And about, I don't know, 40 years ago, I was the first physician in Western Canada and one of only two in Canada to stand up against big tobacco and the, the predatory marketing tactics of getting kids addicted and so on. And mm. we were modestly successful, David and Goliath battle, but, uh, but that was my first foray into prevention. You know, in the States, uh, half a million people dying every year now, still every year, year in, year out, half a million died directly because of um, smoking tobacco, the addiction that's uh, so formidable. Um, so I, I, I've, I've been committed to prevention, not as some self-righteous prick, um, but just good, honest, sensible um, interventions in public policy. And so, you know, when, when, when COVID came along, um, there was such an abrogation of, you know, sensible policies um, of public health. You didn't have to be a rocket science scientist to figure out that it was everything was wrong right out of the blocks. And and when so many people when so many people are dying, you know, if you're a traditionally trained physician in the ethics of medicine, first do no harm, informed consent, and all that good basic stuff, and you see that being destroyed on your watch, that's yeah. big stuff. That's big stuff. That's we we have. As, as a, we had, we earned, as physicians, we earned the respect that came with the title over centuries. We earned it. Mm -hmm. It's gone, gone. Like that. Yep. Like that. Yep. You know, are you going to trust your GP next time you see him or her if they've looked you and your wife directly in the eye? and told you that it's safe for your pregnant spouse to be vaccinated with this stuff. Are you going to trust that relationship ever again? No chance. No, it's gone. It's gone. But you know what? To, to a large extent, as tragic as that is, to a large extent, it's, it's, it's probably irrelevant. It's a, it's a moot point. Because in the future, near future, um, you will go to your GP, what used to be your GP's office, and you'll go into the consulting room and there'll be no doctor there. You're right. There'll be a computer screen. Mm -hmm. And AI will talk to you and diagnose you and treat you. And there'll be you 
the computer screen, and something else in the room that's invisible called government. Government is your new doctor. Right. General, pra general practice is a very expensive thing to, to pay for. General practitioners are going to be a dying breed, and you'll get what you can afford. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying I'm on the board of the Wellness Company of Canada, which is a subsidiary of the American parent company, the Wellness Company. I, I am in good company on the Wellness Company. Uh, Peter McCullough, Harvey Reich, Paul Alexander, Julie Pones, uh, Mark Trozzi, uh, William Mackis. Um, we're all involved. Uh, we're not in it for the money. We're trying to promote an alternative lifestyle that's not just based on nutraceuticals, but based upon good foundational things such as exercise, stress reduction, um, minimizing alcohol consumption, etc. Yes, nutraceuticals are, are certainly going to amplify uh, the benefits of that type of um, more holistic approach to healthcare. Um, but that's prevention is, uh, as, I, as I told you, I was heavily involved in tobacco control. Prevention is so much more important than than fixing things and and here here i want to get into a, on a little soapbox for people to Let's do to understand medicine medicine has two elements simply put it's what have you got and what do you do about it now everyone thinks that we're in a free you know single tier healthcare system oh are you wrong Oh, nowhere close. What have you got is free. What have you got is free, more or less. Um, diagnostics, seeing a GP, x-rays, blood tests, right? That kind of thing. But what do you do about it ain't free, other than surgery, when you get it done in hospital. Because in order to do something about it. It's called, it's a four letter word. It's called pills. Mm. pills. And pills ain't free unless you've got a, an employer plan. You pay for it out of your pocket. What's the point in pitching this as a free system of telling you what you've got if you have to pay for the treatment that you, you're told you have? But it, but it, gets, it gets worse than that. Because modern medicine, this is where I get into the prevention side of it. Modern medicine cures virtually nothing. We mitigate. We don't cure diabetes, arthritis, high blood pressure, right. hi hypertension, you name it. We cure virtually nothing. We mitigate the consequences of those conditions with a four-letter word called a pill. Now, you're not going to evade those conditions. You're going to die sooner or later of one of them. But you can delay it by doing two things. One is prevention, lifestyle, as I described. But also um, minimizing your use of these 
traditional so-called now allopathic medicines that have been through an approval process that is totally corrupt. Totally corrupt. We, in the profession, we, we used to trust implicitly the CDC and the FDA to tell us what was safe. It's now been demonstrated in spades that they are in the back pocket of Big Pharma. And that old legal adage of if you lie on one thing, you've lied on everything. What else have mm -hmm. they passed through? What else have they passed through? Because what they're really looking for is a nice soft landing on the board of Pfizer. What else have they passed through? Yes. So the, the very foundation of traditional allopathic medicine is based upon pills that have been, many of them have probably been fraudulently approved. And so stop, stop criticizing naturopaths as quacks. When in fact, it, it's the old story in, in modern politics. If someone's accusing you of something, you can always guarantee that they're doing exactly the same themselves. Right. Yeah. And that's because they understand it's possible because that's the way they think. Yeah. That's why they accuse you. I, I used to think of naturopaths as quacks. And have I been humiliated? Would I'm you say that was because of your education? You're, yeah, you're I, was taught, I was taught that way. You know, I still believe chiropractors are quacks um, and homeopaths are quacks without any question. But naturopaths are a different kettle of fish entirely. There's every spectrum of naturopath, just like there are physicians and lawyers. But the good ones are based upon science. And what they propose is a more holistic approach to healthcare. You'll never get a GP to sit down with you and have a conversation about a healthy lifestyle, a meaningful conversation, because they're not getting paid for it. You know, it's, right. it's, a, it's a mill to process someone every five minutes. You, if you have to pay to see a, a naturopath and, and have a more holistic assessment of your lifestyle and what could be done to stave off disease, which is essentially what it's all about. The, these, these products are not as extensively studied as traditional pills are in allo allopathic medicine, but they are, they are generally safe they may well be very effective. And so it's a, it's a great insurance, a great insurance policy. In particular, in particular, everyone listening should understand that the season of coughs and colds that we always go through every winter is much better termed the season of vitamin D deficiency. Right. Everyone in Canada in the winter is vitamin D deficient, by definition. What you get from food is nowhere close. It's enough to maintain bone and calcium metabolism, but nowhere close to optimize the function of your immune system. Like everyone you said, they're not trying Canada, to cure. They're just trying to maintain. Everyone in Canada should be on 5,000 international units of vitamin D every day. Uh, very safe and remarkably effective at um, reducing the prevalence and severity of infection and particularly upper respiratory tract infections like like the flu and, and COVID. Um, so I, I heartily recommend 
vitamin D and to consider uh, going to see a naturopath. When my GP, when I was getting over COVID, nursed to recovery by my wife and Peter McCullough, when I was getting over COVID, my GP, who I deeply respect, she said to me, Roger, you've got to go and see a naturopath. Great I wrote, job. I rolled my eyes. I thought, are you kidding me? Going to see a naturopath? Well, when I went in, I said this. This is a verbatim quote to what I said. I said, Dr. Nozak, excellent naturopath. You know, <laughs> I said, Dr. Nozak, I'd just like you to know I'm a fraud. I'm not Dr. Hodkinson, as you assume. I'm actually Humpty Dumpty, and your job is to put me back together again. Nice. And he did. He did. He did. Wonderful man. Wonderful man. And I, I, you know what? When I'm doing rallies now, sometimes I have a backdrop of this. You just, you just got to imagine it for a minute. You got to imagine. You got to imagine a white plate on a black cloth. Photograph top down. Okay. Either side of the white plate, there's a knife and a fork. And on the black plate, there's a side view of a big, dead, black crow. Okay. Because I'm to eat it. quite prepared to eat crow in public and, and state emphatically that I was wrong in mischaracterizing naturopaths, mischaracterizing Kennedy's autism theory, and so on. People that were generally considered quacks. Um, there's been a, a revisionist thinking of those professions now, and they are going to be so much more valuable to people than, than allopathic medicine. And I can prove it. I got the proof. Ottawa's trying to regulate and get rid of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's your proof. It, it's the right thing for you if Ottawa's trying to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to make a couple of comments and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, when you were talking about how our healthcare system is, is to diagnose, but you still have to pay for the pill, mm -hmm. um, that reminds me of like antivirus programs where they'll scan your computer and tell you about the viruses but then make you pay for the cleanup so it's a bit of a scam you think you're getting something and then you run it and then you find out later you're not the solution costs money they'll tell you about the problem yeah uh, there's, so. there's a lot of scams going on out there live blood is another one uh, i spent my my speciality was blood diseases laboratory aspect of blood diseases i i, I was looking down the microscope every day of my career and uh, live blood analysis is a scam. Don't okay, pay. We'll, okay, we'll keep that on, on our, uh, our do not buy list or do not use list. And now, the NCI just had an announcement a couple days ago. We carried it live. Uh, we were part of that press conference where they determined after all. And were you at the NCI? No, no. Okay. I didn't well, want didn't want to participate because I thought it would be pointless, which is supposed to be the case. Yeah, I mean, it has no teeth, but at least we can start pointing to some research and, and some 
well thought out uh, recommendations. But what they determined is not safe, not effective. Yeah, I know. And and what they highly what they did a good job on highlighting was the VAX approval process in Canada was completely circumvented and very much illegal. They yeah. even brought up the potential of criminal prosecutions based yeah. off of some of the decisions made there. Yeah. So that that's some good information that that we are able to pull out of that. So from, yeah, then, from that then, standpoint, then, I, the name I forgot earlier on was Denis Rancourt, um, who gave an excellent testimony on um, the underreporting factor and supporting mm. uh, supporting Peter Halligan's estimate of twenty million deaths international. A absolutely brilliant, brilliant analysis. Yeah. Right. And, and what that really highlights is even though when our government creates processes and regulations, they just skip it at will anyways. So it's really, what's the point? Like at the end of the day, what's the point of Health Canada? You, you see, it's bad enough when you create this scale of havoc. But it's even worse when you're told it's happening and you choose not to quantify it. That makes you much more culpable. Yeah, and would you like to see some criminal prosecutions of some people if it can be shown? Because I've been speaking to several police officers, and I have one who says globally there's police officers coming together looking at exactly this, having a full-on investigation, criminal investigation yeah. all over the place. Yeah. You would support that. I go further. I want raw, naked vengeance. Vengeance administered by the courts i want these bastards all in jail locked up forever and they should be thankful they don't swing seven physicians <laughs> swung after nuremberg for doing much less than this and oh, they're wow. doing, it, doing it knowingly the old argument of i didn't know won't wash they know what they're doing they're just infatuated with their power, backed into a corner because that's what they started and they can't stop it. No, no amnesty. Don't talk to me about amnesty. Do your time. Come out crawling, begging for mercy at the feet of the people, the families, who, the people that you killed. Then we, then, then we can talk. You've got to be on your knees, bleeding, begging for forgiveness. And, and look, here's the reason why we should be a little harsh this time around. Because we did Nuremberg. So sure. there's precedence and you should have known better this time around. Yeah. We have determined as a society that taking orders is not a defense. No. So you repeated that error a second time. So I think, yeah, I don't think you're wrong on this. We should be prosecuting yeah. severe punishment. And may I suggest sending them to Alberta remand centers where we've been keeping some innocent people in jail for 583 yeah. days? Maybe we should taste, start right there. Give them a taste of their own medicine. Scare the yeah. shit out of them. Pun, pun intended? A taste of their own medicine? Yeah, no. No, they, they, they feel they're so bloody arrogant. They think they're immune. Well, let pun me intended tell you, again? If there's an idiocrat <laughs> watching here, listen, watch out. We're coming for you. We're coming for you. Ignorance is no defense. We're coming for you. It may take time. Yep. Just like they hunted the Nazis in South America. We're coming for you. We're going to get Correct. you. Nobody got away. We were prosecuting 90-year-olds still. Yeah. And AHS, of course, I, I'm sure Dr. Mack has elaborated on that. 
you know, mm-hmm. NHS and the College of Physicians are, are some of the biggest um, perpetrators of the of the, the madness that's that's gone on. Uh, they are prime targets. I believe you referred to them as a mafia. I think you went as far as calling them a mafia. Yeah, he, he does call them that, and I think it's it's not inappropriate. Uh, totally yeah, uncontrolled, I... totally uncontrolled criminal organization. That yeah, uh, no, we had no fact checking on that. It seems to be apparently true. You no, know, they, they they intimidate in people into silence. Um, you know, the the criminals are now the prosecutors. <laughs> it's like the gulag all over again. Yeah, we have um, a question here. Let me go make sure I go find my questions. There we go. Questions. Here we go. We got a few of them here, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, Jim CWY asks, not sure what the poor people are supposed to do. People are paycheck to paycheck. Nobody can afford to buck the mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. So this is where you may not be directly dependent. You're not getting paid. But mm-hmm. because we have a slave state and you 50% of your salary is gone through various taxes, right. et cetera. Yeah. Um, you basically are dependent directly yeah. into the system because of yeah, your in, status. Indentured. Um, indentured, that's what I was looking for. Thank in, you. In, 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 most certainly, most certainly. But people would, in the independent Republic of Alberta, people would not be living paycheck to paycheck. They would be earning enough to save for their own future, a nest egg. That would give them that comfort of knowing that they had something to rely on that was mm. not that was not the state. It's, yeah, it's that- look, 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 everyone. It's so doable. You're working fifty percent of your time for government, and they're pissing it out of the window when it could be going into your own retirement savings plan or whatever else you want to invest in. That is so doable. Wake up. Take control. I agree. I agree. And this is what we've done personally, but I would love to tell everybody to make sure they do that um, because it, there's a lot of comfort in knowing that, yeah, if we needed to, we've got a good three to six months worth of uh, ability to do things on our own. And even that could be extended because we've created micro communities. We all know each other. We all yeah. have various stuff that we can do together. Yeah. Um, and this is the way you need to go. We basically but, have to go back to community. But Jason, as wonderful as that idea of, you know, um, micro communities and self-sufficiency, growing vegetables in your back garden, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. As wonderful as that is, and a solution for a small number of people to survive, mm. it's not a macro solution for the whole four million of this population. It's just not going to happen. No, there has to be change. At no, the top. there has to be change at the top. Correct, Rad- because it's radical. called self-sufficient, not community sufficient. Yeah, I mean, th- th- those ideas are, you know, bartering and all that. I mean, yeah, okay, that, that'll, that'll work for a few people, but it, it's not a macro solution to the problem. The macro solution no. is, is not to, to go that route. The macro solution is to massively reduce waste. Get off the, the treadmill of eco-free ecology, you know, electric vehicles and, and unions and and so on and so on and use money more efficiently money that you've earned then yeah and those are your resources you need to hold on to them and people don't understand what 
will happen when they don't have anything, uh, especially if you're living in a city and you're four 15-minute cities and you have no problem with that. You really have not looked at what that means. Uh, the idiocy of 15-minute cities. You know, um, you can't travel outside of your quadrant. Well, mm -hmm. what what does that really translate into? Unnecessary duplication of, of schools and libraries and... and all the things that government normally provides for you, um, because it has to be in your in your backyard. I mean, how fucking ridiculous is that? You know, carbon dioxide is good. It's plant food. Rejoice! Mm -hmm. It's a miracle drug. <laughs> we need more of it. And if you try and control it, watch out, because if it starts dropping, there'll be the opposite problem. Yeah, completely. And I've had some discussions in a bit of a battle of uh, with people about 15-minute cities. And they would say things like, oh, it's a new Paris, and it's going to be lovely. And I try and remind them that all traps look great until the door closes. Yeah. Right? The bait is in there. The animal that you're trying to trap thinks it's a wonderful thing. I got a free meal right here. What's the harm until that yeah. door closes? And then you realize what you were in. <laughs> Wokeism is absolutely bonkers. I mean, it, it, it's it's just so intuitively stupid. Uh, get off our backs. We can run our own lives. Piss off. Do the basic things that government's supposed to do. Keep us safe. Keep the roads plowed. And just shut up. We can handle it. We can live very efficiently without you. Thank you very much. Would you uh, would you try and champion a, a Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta partnership? Sure, anyone can join the party, but it's got to start somewhere, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. It'll be it'll be Alberta first, Saskatchewan second, Northeastern BC next. Um, but let's start small. Uh, it's got to be successful somewhere, as a as a example, mm -hmm. and, and the rest would follow very very quickly when people see that it's actually working and um you know you can actually do this you can give ottawa the finger and and run your own life it, it look it's intoxicating because it's so doable you just have to wake people up to the fact that it's practical and doable this isn't hairy, fairy, pie in the sky, dreaming about some nirvana that can't happen. No, it's well. What what you were describing before is wokeism. What, what you were describing a second ago—that's wokeism. Nirvana, yeah. pie in the sky—that is wokeism. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Yeah, they don't get it. They don't get it. Uh, and, and we kind of sort of need them because we don't need eighty percent of our population suddenly being unemployed, unwilling to work, and then trying to just reason resource starve us um, this, is, this is why it's important to not necessarily uh, give them a free atonement or anything like that but it is necessary to give them a place to heal because we do still need them um it would be nice if we could fix some of that uh we've got a couple more questions here if you don't mind sure. uh john patterson one of our longtime viewers asks a uh, question for the good doctor does he believe the vax is being distributed by other means now and if so, his opinion on what the delivery system might be. No, the idea of, you know, contagious vaccinosis, that you're being vaccinated by people shedding exosomes that you breathe in and 
you vaccinate yourself without being without wanting to be vaccinated. Uh, it's a bit tenuous. Um, uh, antibodies are being found in the in the masks of children who've not been vaccinated in households that have been vaccinated and there's right because they're catching it okay and you know the the antibodies may well be shared uh and trapped in the mass but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that the kids being vaccinated it could be it could be that the mrna has somehow become aerosolized and inhaled by others and you start producing the antibodies but it would be probably at a very low concentration, just from the dilution effect, and nowhere close to the density of, um, of uh, mRNA that you would receive if you received the, the clot shot. Mm. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned about, um, about uh, that. Um, I think shedding is a, is a reality though. Um, so many women can't be wrong that their menstrual periods have changed so significantly. Um, or started I, after they stopped having them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure shedding, shedding is happening, but again, not studied. Because you see, in order to study something, you have to have money to do it. And, and time. <laughs> well, N NIH, Wellcome Foundation, um, Soros, they're not going to fund something that undermines the narrative. So you don't, you can't find money to do it. And even if you did scramble, crowdfund or whatever, the research necessary to study X, you, you get a paper and you try to hawk it around the prestigious journals and none of them want to run it because they're beholden to big farmers advertising in the journals. So it's very difficult to get studies done and even more difficult to get them published. Our autopsy paper with Peter McCullough and uh, William Mackis and, and uh, Harvey Reich, uh, we've been refused at three major journals already. Um, um, the Lancet, BMJ and JAMA. Um, I have a couple ideas I want to bounce off you in relation to John's question there. It may turn into a sexually transmitted disease or in that category where an unvaxxed person being intimate with a vaxxed person, maybe mm -hmm. it could be passed in that, that fashion. Depends how many boosters, depends how things work out, how much spike sure. protein is being produced. But it could turn into one of those. Kind of like the AIDS epidemic where we're all worried about our partners now. Mm -hmm. um, that might be one way. And then another one would be the blood and tissue transfusion or uh, trans uh, uh, transplant. They're not marking it right now. They're yeah. not marking and categorizing blood as vaxxed and unvaxxed. Yeah. Um, so if you get into a car accident unconscious, yeah, they make a decision for you. You could find yourself with that that problem now. Yeah, I I, I ran a, a blood bank for years, and uh, uh, as desirable as it would be to have two streams of blood, one clean and one not, you might say, it's not gonna happen. For all kinds of practical logistic reasons, as desirable as it would be, it's not gonna happen. Um, you also have to consider the, just the, the, just the, the number of people in each category. Uh, you know, if, if you need a blood transfusion and you're not vaxxed, and you, you're going to die if you don't get it. Um, just balance the risks. 
the the like the, there's been no reported cases of transfusion related um, uh, mRNA vax related injuries. There'd be no reports of that. Largely, I think, from because the doses, if it happens, the dose is low enough that you'd never know about it. Um, so, you know, my recommendation is if you if you're that sick, uh, having run a blood bank, um, take the risk of getting blood from someone who's had the clot shot, um, because it, you're, you're very unlikely to be hurt by it. Um, but you might well die. Okay, that's good. You don't. Uh, I'm, I'm just a pragmatic guy. Yeah, and that's kind of why I'm asking that question because we had Sheila Lewis pass away because she wouldn't yep. take the vax, but they wouldn't give her an organ. Yep. It's not quite the same thing we're talking about here, but kind of similar where the personal decision did lead to a, a death. Um, now, in that case, would you have recommended her take the shot or, or yes. you, you were fine with her choices? Ab she should absolutely have not taken the shot, quite apart from the, the fact that she should be in control of what goes into her body. Um, quite apart from that, cool. from a strictly medical perspective, one of the principal ways this clot shot has its terrible effects is because it is a clot shot. It creates clots. It creates thrombosis in blood vessels, One of some of which would be in the transplanted organ. You don't want to reduce the vitality of that transplanted organ by introducing a vascular attack on it as as in the organ as well as the rest of the body that's bloody stupid no what 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 would have happened in that circumstance is that the team leader of that department that decided not to approve her for a transplant it would have been a senior person that intimidated everyone else to agree with him or her that's the kind of person I'd like to see in jail. Big time. Big time. What what intellectual arrogance to sit and judge whether someone's going to live or die just because of your career aspirations, wanting to please AHS and climb a little rung mm -hmm. further up the ladder and be prepared to kill someone because of your own career aspirations. That is despicable beyond beyond measure. So I suspect you're going to support my next question here. Uh, how would you feel about making denial of healthcare a murder charge? Oh, I mean, you should have your license automatically suspended. You know, well, I mean, go further, but you go to jail if you deny oh, healthcare. Yeah, why? Well, certainly, it, there could be lethal lethal consequences. You well, know, in Sheila's case, there was a decision that killed her. When, when we went into medicine 50 years ago, and someone walked into the emergency room, it didn't matter whether they were a CEO or a drug addict. They all got the same consideration. Right. They prioritized treatment depending on who was more urgent. You know, that, that, was, that was the norm. That was expected. We were there to serve society. Um, not now, no, it's all a pocketbook and hierarchy and a, appeasing AHS because they got your number. They can remove your livelihood. Have I got your attention yet? 
You got my attention in the first five minutes. My face is still f- cleansed from that cold water I got. I liked it. Um, <laughs> and I think we got one last hard-hitting question for you, and then we'll let you get back to your evening. Uh, it was a very busy night on this side as well. Um, John Patterson's asking again, I wonder if you are a Manchester United fan. Solid. Solid. So now we know he's an intelligent man, I guess, right? Is that where you're going with that one, John? How do you feel about Tottenham? Uh, where is that? Tottenham Hotspurs. <laughs> um, my wife is just cringing right now. That is her team. Uh, she's from England, or not from England, from, she's from the UK. Um, yeah. By uh, Sawtree, if you know where Sawtree is. Well, it, they're, they're in the south, aren't they? They're, they're just full of snots. <laughs> you, see, you see in Britain, there's a there's a north-south divide. I'm, I'm from Manchester, as I said, and um, we don't like those snots in the south. All right. Well, that, you're going to stay firm on that one. Man United all the way then. <laughs> so you were a Rooney fan? I think he was on Man U. I'm sorry? Rooney? Was oh, yeah, Man U? yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in his day, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I liked his attitude personally. He was a bit of a troublemaker, but I liked his attitude. Yeah, he... Uh, despite his, I mean, he was a, he was a big stocky guy, you know, and, uh, he could still run like crazy and, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, uh, he tackled like he really meant it. Yeah. He sure did. He was getting in there. So there's one more that snuck in here and then uh, honestly, I'll let you go this time. Uh, politically incorrect two, four, six ask. I'm curious what your thoughts are on chloride, chlorine dioxide. Thanks. Yeah. That, that's, that's one of the agents that that's useful for, um, local, um, prevention. Um, povidone iodine is is uh, more popular. Uh, you buy a bottle of povidone iodine from the pharmacy, you dilute it nine to one, nine water to one povidone iodine. You mix it up and you get an eyedropper and you put four drops in each nostril morning and night. If you're feeling the onset of a cold or a cough, don't do it all the time. Listen, if there's one thing that I can tell people is that life is not about delaying death. Life is about living. Don't be paranoid. Live normally. Vitamin D, treat yourself with nasal iodine, much better than, than ivermectin, if you think you're getting sick. And then, and then just move on. You know, take your chances. You know, crossing the road is dangerous. Life is dangerous. Um, live your life. Enjoy your life. I love it. I love it. We're going to end on that note. Uh, that's where we should be. Live your life. Enjoy it. Is there any information you do want to give out? Uh, anything about the wellness company? Any last comments that you want to give? I don't want this to be a commercial. There's all kinds of products that are really good. Um, you can buy some of them locally. Um, the formulations are, I think, superior in the wellness company. It, there are other reasons to join, which I'd encourage you to consider if you go to their website. Um, but uh, I would I would love to come on your show again, Jason, because there's lots more to say. Uh, we could talk a great deal about the pathology okay. behind all of this. Uh, we could talk a lot about genocide and or not um, the origin of all of this. Um, there's there's a lot more to talk about, and uh, I'd love to come back. Do you think you can bring uh, Paul, Dr. Paul Alexander with you? Maybe oh, sure. With you. Sure, um, we could do a, a duo. Yeah, him and me. We, 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 he was on the stage with me in Ottawa, of course. You know, right? And, uh, right. Tell you a little story about Paul. Please when do. He, 
when we were in Ottawa uh, on, on the deck, I was better than him. He watched me real smart, quick learn. He watched me. And by the end of the week, he was better than me. So it's the ultimate compliment for a teacher to have the student excel the teacher. <laughs> I know, I know what you mean by that one because you know you did your job right when that's exactly yeah. what happens. He's he's a wonderful, wonderful man who just says it straight, and uh, you know he he gets a bit carried away sometimes. But I, hey, I should talk. I do too. <laughs> not a problem i will absolutely have you back again it'll be my pleasure we'll get right on that scheduling with you we'll work that out and we'll bring you back thank you so much doctor that was amazing it's been a pleasure thank you you have yourself a great evening and enjoy your night i shall bye-bye goodbye